We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayas, at Nick Dayas 10 is where you can find me. It's conference championship week in the NFL, and I got my guy on the other line, A-double-E-N. Allen, what up, baby? Yeah, I said last weekend was the best weekend for football, and unfortunately, it fell quite below expectations. But I'm telling you, this is the weekend where it will meet every expectation. Hey, bro, isn't it funny that that always happens? Like, when we get hyped about something, whether it's a UFC card, whether it's a banger soccer game, uh, a movie or show that's coming out, whatever it might be, and then it's just, like, dud. Yeah, it's disappointing. I won't say full dud because I thoroughly enjoyed Cowboys 49ers. I avoided, yeah. I enjoyed the aftermath of that because the internet was on fire because, you know, Dallas going to Dallas. But besides that, though, I thought it was a very underwhelming weekend. But nevertheless... You know, I think the four best teams are in here. And I know, unfortunately for you, your favorite team is not involved. But yeah, it, yeah, given yeah. the given having that realistic mindset, mindset, you know, it's a good ride. Yeah. Well, you know, you were getting me excited because you, you kind of buried the lead. I was going to ask you if you felt like the right four teams are in it. You answered that. And then you're like, you know, except for you, because it's like, all right, man, you, you just shit on my chest and leave it there. I see how it is. I just thought you wanted to get some things off your chest, but no, no negotiations uh, with, with two of the main figures because I don't know. I'm hearing more and more talk about Saquon, which is a little mm. bizarre. But I get it. You know, every big running back contract is going to be debated. Can I give you my uh, take on what I think they do with Daniel Jones? Absolutely. I think they franchise him. I think you do a franchise. I think you do a franchise tag, whatever, whatever it's going to be. It's going to be north of forty, but I think unless you can negotiate it to you know four years, hundred twenty million, that'd be nice. You know, thirty million dollar quarterback. I don't mind that. Now, what's the <sighs> new market going to be? Yeah, you see, that's not going to be the price. Yeah, so, I don't know. I don't like talking of like financial circumstances, like because he had a he has career year, but. 
I don't know, man. Anything over 25 is just, I think we're playing with fire. But then again, who knows what the market's like? That's the thing. What's going to be the market, the new market that's going to be set? And what, what is this the future of Daniel Jones? Is what we saw this year going to be the thing that's going to carry on moving forward? These are going to be questions that they're going to need to have. But I think they, they, they franchise him. And then it's a one-year, again, bet-on-yourself kind of contract. Maybe they go and they get some weapons on the outside so he's not throwing to Isaiah Hodgins, who I was singing his praises two weeks ago. But, you know, in the end of the day, he's a practice <laughs> ball. How did he get slandered out of all this? <laughs> Look, man, I was, I was envisioning the next Victor Cruz, bro. So my, my you know, over-promise. Over Don't one game bring you down. Yeah. Nah, he's he, not dropping wide-open deep crosses like Richie James. That was, oh, yeah. man. Well, look, nah, it's been a hell of a story, and and he, he's a very cheap piece for the offense that I think is going to be a number three wide receiver for the Giants next year. And he has good chemistry with Daniel Jones. So I think Daniel Jones is definitely going to be the quarterback for the Giants next year. There's not much of a market available, and that's what I think they, they do. But let's move on forward, man. Let's move on because yes. I don't want to talk about this. As you can see, it's upsetting me. Of course, you have to bring that up. But let's get into the NFC title game, man. Open us up with your thoughts on this game. What are you looking at? Uh, it's everything you can imagine. Two stacked teams, two teams that have built the rosters tremendously well. Two GMs that, you know, Harry Roseman, John Lynch, they just look to make moves. Like every offseason, they're looking at ways to make their team a championship caliber team. And I think it's just all aligned, you know, with Philadelphia pretty much no holes. Like you look at what they've done in the trenches. You look at their secondary, getting players like Bradbury and Gardner Johnson on relatively good deals and offensively how well they've drafted. It's just, it's a huge juggernaut. And then we go to San Francisco and then there's another juggernaut where you're talking about four of the most versatile, uh, dangerous after catch players in the league. When you look at Depot, Kittle, Ayukin, McCaffrey, you got cheat codes everywhere. So I love what, and you know, obviously Niners have the best defense. So to me, this matchup is just so exciting and it's easily the, the matchup I'm most looking forward to because I have such huge expectations for both teams. And I am expecting a bit of a defensive slugfest, which I think is always cool to see because I know everyone wants to see the points. And look, of course we want to see 30 point games, but I think we should take, you know, we should admire when great defenses are playing against each other. And I think we're going to see that at Sunday in which should be a very, very hostile environment in Philadelphia. Oh, boy, is it going to be hostile. It's going to be. <laughs> that is. So that, I think that's, you know, we're laughing about that, but I think that's the biggest storyline heading into this game because the more I was looking at San Francisco's run, Alan, and I don't want to discredit mm-hmm. it, but the more I'm looking at it, the more I'm like, have you, have you been tested really? Have you beaten anyone good? Right? Like, who's the one real opponent they had this year, bro? It's Kansas City. And they got their shit punched in at home. Right? And that was when Jimmy G was the quarterback also. To me... McCaffrey's debut. McCaffrey's debut as well. Correct. Correct. So, to me is... Their defense has been lights out, right? But you look at their schedule. And... There's Denver, there's Seattle, there's the Rams that fall apart, Carolinas. You play, you play Kansas City, you lose 44 to 23. Again, you play What's the hilarious that they lost to Denver. Right. And they lost to Denver. Yeah. 
They lost to Denver, Chicago, and Atlanta, like which makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> Bro, so this is the thing that we talk about on the preview show all the time, and we we touch on it throughout the year. Where there's always a WTF game on every team's schedule, and the Niners have three of them. Where if the Niners were to yeah. go on to win the Super Bowl, we'll we'll grab a beer one day. We'll be at the bar. We'll be like, yo, remember when they lost to Atlanta and they lost to Denver? You're like, how? You know, like remember last year the Jaguars beat the Bills. Right, the Bengals lost to the Jets. You know, the Rams got obliterated by the Cardinals in division, so you're familiar. But dude, that's hilarious because I'm looking at the schedule. I'm like, yo, they really lost to Atlanta. What the hell? Shout out to the Falcons. People will tell you that uh, angry Kyle Pitts owners will tell you that because that's about the only game Kyle Pitts got the ball. So, they played. They played the Chargers the when Keenan and Mike uh, Mike Williams were were hurt. They they played oh, that, the that's something that game was a dud. Yeah, they played the Saints. Like they haven't really played anyone. Good I think really. being Seattle three times is an accomplishment, and being Dallas is an accomplishment. I think those are your wins right there. Hmm. And that's a good Seattle team. I don't care what Ben says. Seattle built a really well or well constructed team, and don't see we want but Dallas, but they're paying to play against, and they want a true slugfest. So uh, the rest of the ones, yeah, I can't really say much. Like that Chargers Sunday night game, I felt. Was very unimpressive, so I'm with you on that. Uh, but look, as we always say, you you can only beat what's in front of you. So, and I feel like they've won most of those games pretty convincingly, outside of maybe the Raiders game. Brock Purdy, since he became the quarterback, has faced the Bucks, Seahawks twice, Raiders, Commanders, Cardinals, and Cowboys defenses. This is the best defense he's going up against, and it's a defense that is. Fast and very opportunistic. They are going to force him into bad decisions. And that, to me, we've been talking about this throughout this whole run. Brock Purdy versus his defense, Alan. Are you... Where are you in that conversation? Because he's playing an elite defense. And when he's under pressure, 36.4%. Of the dropbacks in the playoffs, he's thrown for two touchdowns, zero interceptions, but he's 7 of 19 for 157 yards. I think you're exaggerating on Philly. I don't think they have elite defense. I think they have a very good defense, but they're built up front. If they get pressure, which they can because they have four players that have 10-plus sacks, then absolutely they could terrorize this game. But I think you could get that secondaries, uh, particularly Bradbury. I know Bradbury's had a good year, but he's still kind of slow. And Ayuk and Samuel are as exposed as it gets. So I think you can get at Philly. It's just a matter of protection. And I think the bigger concern for me was I was not impressed one bit by San Fran's O-line in terms of pass protection. I thought they got pretty dismantled up front by the Cowboys. In particular, Michael Parsons with that ridiculous hunt move on. Mike McGlinchey. Like I love Trent Williams, but McGlinchey is a little bit of a liability on the right side. So... I think that's what I'm more concerned about because, look, Purdy's going to make some throws. He's going to put the ball in harm's way. I'm still waiting for a team to really punish him because I thought Trevion Diggs should have punished him in the red zone. But I feel like teams haven't really capitalized on his mistakes. But if if this game is going to fall apart for San Fran, it's going to be in the trenches. And that's where Philadelphia with their wide array of defensive linemen, pass rushes. Like, if people forget, like, they got they could bring on, like, Sue to play 10 steps. Like, the, for that, they got Linval, Joseph, and Sue – uh, in like the midseason is just crazy. And I think that's what I'm more concerned about rather than Purdy himself because, look, Shannon's going to game plan for him. We know that. It's just a matter of will he get the protection to you know make those key decisions. 
You are absolutely right about the Eagles' defense. They led the NFL in sacks with 70. They have the lead league, lead leader in interceptions in uh, Gardner Johnson with six. And four of the top 16 guys with sack totals are on this Eagles team. And the hostile environment that Brock Purdy's going into, and also their defense is very opportunistic in the secondary. You're right. They could be had, but... Slay, Bradbury, those are guys, <clears throat> and Gardner Johnson, who led the league in interceptions. Um, those are guys that are going to try to get the ball for the offense. So I think that is a big, big one for me. Have you seen this uh, conversation about a rookie quarterback and their records in conference championship games? I have not. So <clears throat> this is going all the way back to 1990. If you had to guess how many rookies have played in conference championship games, Alan, how many would you say? So, yeah, Roethlisberger, Brady. No, Rush just missed out. You got, you got one in, in Ben. Brady was not. Oh, Brady wasn't? Brady was not, oh, technically, not technically a rookie. Yeah, yeah. It was oh, his first year okay. playing. However, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm being an actually technically guy right now. You know, I hate those hey, kind of guys. Which is, yeah, which is yeah, totally yeah, understandable. Yeah. Totally so. I'll give you a um, hint. There's been, there's been four. Oh, man, I don't want to waste the listener's time. Uh, let me think if there's anything else off the top of my head. I'll give you another hint. Two of, two of the four, I mean, Big Ben is one that you mentioned, but two of the four, yeah. like, we actually watched play and we experienced. This isn't like, you know, 1993. Was Mark Brunel a rookie when Jacksonville made their run? No, but you got the first name right in one of the quarterbacks. Um, oh, wow. Mark Sanchez. Damn, he really played in tougher shit. Mark Sanchez. And then, <laughs> and then what, about, what about this one? Ready for this? <laughs> the, the New Yorker and me should really know this. Yeah. And what about this one? Joe Flacco. Oh, God. Yeah. Right. <laughs> wait. Oh, wait. Oh, so 08 was Baltimore. What was 08? Because he was a rookie in 08. 08 was Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then Pittsburgh went on to beat the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona. Which, which you were there for. I was there for, number one. And number two, Legendary. it should have been the Giants beating the Steelers because if Plaxico Burris didn't shoot himself, I was never more confident that my wow. team was going to win two championships out. Had this become negative? I was trying to talk about this moment. Again, it was the Eagles. <laughs> Bastard Eagles beat us in the playoffs that year. Uh, and the last one, Alan, the fourth one to round it off. So we got Big Ben, Joe Flacco, Mark Sanchez, and Sean King. Wow. Those were the quarterbacks. Oh, I would never have gotten that. Yeah, I never oh, would have gotten that. Was it 98 or 99? Uh, I believe 98. Yeah. Uh, okay. They lost the Rams. Yeah. So like Marts. the reason why I bring this up is rookies in conference championship games since 1990 are 0-4 straight up, 1-3 against the spread. The only one to cover was Sean King. The final score was 11-6. They were a 14-point underdog. <laughs> so history does not bode well for the Niners and Brock Purdy. However, I don't think the teams then were as good as this Niners team is, which we've been singing their praises all year long yeah. about how stacked they are on offense and how loaded they are on defense. Yeah, you look at that Jets team. Even though they were beating the Colts in that game and the Ravens in 08, like I'm just trying to remember those two teams in particular. 
Yeah, I don't, they didn't have stellar offenses. But they did have great defenses. But thankfully, the same friend defense is ready to play. Man, I, I look, I know there's a lot of criticism on Dak. We're not getting into a Dallas rant, but I still feel like the Niners did a lot of damage in that game. And outside of you know, C.D. Lamb getting his, I thought they played a pretty flawless game against Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, and especially when Pollard went down, you kind of knew it was a wrap. Like, they weren't going to be able to, what, Zeke was going to get him yards? Like, come on now. We know, we know better. Than yeah, Fred, Fred Warner, my, everywhere he was. Like, I think that's what, like I always say, I think line, being a top-tier three-down linebacker is the most underappreciated talent in football. And what he's doing right now on a snap-to-snap basis is extraordinary. And I think Greenlaw is a stud, and now Shahir contributes. So, I think San Fran's linebackers is going to play. Look, they're always going to play a crucial role, but especially against a team like Philly, the way they ran the ball against the Giants, like and just overall the season, like look, they're going to run option with Hurts, Sanders gain momentum, gain will contribute. Who knows what happens with Boston Scott? Like those linebackers are going to be tested. So I think that's kind of one of the biggest X factors in this match. Is just in this game is just Philly's running game going against the San Fran front seven, but in particular the linebackers. This game is going to feature the two best quarterbacks in the NFL in game script value. It's an advanced analytics stat from football outsiders, meaning that when the game, basically when they're playing with a lead, who performs the best? Jalen Hurts, number one, Brock Purdy, number two. Someone's going to have to be trailing at some point in this game, Alan. So we're going to have to see what these two guys are made of. And the last thing, Alan, I want to ask you, and uh, listeners, I would love for you guys to chime in. Hit us up on social media at Veterans Minimum. Let us know what side of the coin you're on with this combo. Excluding the quarterbacks, which offense do you think is better in this game? I kind of feel like they're the same offenses, bro. Am I bugging? They're, they're the, yeah, it's, this is such a hard pick. I'm going to actually, and I... Everyone knows how much I love San Fran. I'm going to give the slight edge to Philly. And the reason is I just think their offensive line is the best in the league. I think San Fran is kind of masked by Shannon. Like if you put these units with the regular coaching staff, I think Philly will be more successful. Yo, I thought I was going to be like kind of like giving you a take picking Philly. Because I've been, I, you know, every episode the last like eight weeks, I've been like, yo, ever since they got McCaffrey, mm-hmm. there's never been a more versatile offense. But I think you nailed it there, bro. And you were talking about Dallas being able to get after the Niners with their pass rush. I think, yeah, Trent Williams is incredible. But the other side is a little shaky. And I think the offensive line for Philly is way more complete and way more stable. And that's why I would lean towards that offense being the one that I would prefer. And to me, that's kind of where I'm leaning, man. I think think Philly gets it done and Philly goes to the Super Bowl. I also want to mention Dallas Goddard. I don't think he gets enough love. I think he might be in that top five discussion now. Like just what he does, not just after a catch, but like he's just he's way more athletic than he appears. And he's also a very good blocker. I just maybe it's injuries, maybe because he gets lost with amongst the star stud offense, but wow, Dallas Goddard, like he's someone that can make a difference. I'm not sure in this game because Sam Fran is really good at containing tight ends, but it wouldn't surprise me if Goddard at some point makes a key twenty yard catch. Dallas Goddard being more athletic than he's a, than he appears is every white skill position player's scouting report in the draft. <laughs> Sneaky athletic. <laughs> Faster than his tape shows. 
Yeah, I don't know about George Kittle though. I, I look at George Kittle, I'm like, ah, I think he could be a freak athlete because he just. I think Greg Olson said best of man. Greg Olson, best in the game. I'll say that right now. But uh, George Kittle, like, he just looks like a a pro wrestler. He just moves like a pro wrestler. Well, he's also a big pro wrestling fan. Number one and number two. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean by Greg Olson, best in the game? You like him on commentary? Yeah, I think he's the best commentary in the game. Wow. I think he's the best. Dude, you know, there's ball. two different camps, right? Like that's a polarizing topic with George uh, Greg Olson. Is there? Yeah, I people. Feel like he's universally loved. Yo, I've I've heard, uh, and and I was at someone's house over the weekend, which I'll tell you about, but I can't make it public. So some high end people on network television, and they think that they are not an A caliber team over there with him and Burkhart. And I I disagreed. I was like, yo, I, I, I think them two man. are dope, man. I think they're really good together. And also, shouts to Kevin Burkhart. You know, used to be with the Mets. SNY, so you got to stay loyal. To He's the great, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, dude, you're right about Dallas Goddard, man. As we wrap up the conversation on, with this game, I think, I mean, last week I was telling you, I was like, you know, the Giants are, he's probably going to score against the Giants, and he did. Cast that plus 220, anytime touchdown score. And I First think, drive, too, which yeah. is even more hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right away, it's like, oh, here you go. Dallas Goddard open. Well, why not, right? Tight end. But, <laughs> I think also him and Jalen Hurts have really good chemistry, bro. Like even even the year that Carson Wentz was still there and he was having those like weird packages that he would come in on, I think it was something that them two have great, great chemistry together. And then when Zach Ertz left, I think that was a big part of it too because of how good Dallas Goddard is. To me, I think it's too big of a spot for Brock Purdy to go here on the road. I think it's been a hell of a season for him the Niners, and for Kyle Shanahan, too, who's a finalist for Coach of the Year, because, look, man, is a third-string quarterback, and I know they got here last year. If they get past this game, unbelievable story for them for it to continue, but I think it ends in Philly, and I think Philly wins. I'm going to go 27-20, Allen. Wow, that's pretty high scoring. Yeah. Now, I think it's going to be— yeah. Sometimes when there's two really good defenses, people tend to stay, oh, it's going to be under— but I think, you know, maybe short fields, some turnovers before you know it, you're running up the score. And I think I think 27-20. The, the over-under right now, it's currently at 46 and a half. So it's right on the number at 47. But I think I think this game is going to go over the total. Or I think the next one might go under. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, to me, this is much harder to predict than the AFC title game. Like, uh, I've been very conflicted because I've just been blown away by Philly. But Look, man, I've been Ryan Sanfran, and I just, I'm a firm believer in Shannon and that coaching staff and with those playmakers. So I'm going to go Sanfran. I'm not overly confident, but I just, I still got questions about the Philly coaching staff. I think that linebackers are still a huge liability. Shannon loves exploiting bad linebackers. You know, as long as they get the protection to hold up and Shannon schemes his, uh, you know, with Purdy getting those like free chunk plays, I think they're able to hold up offensively. And defensively, I think they could, they could harass Hurts. Like, I, there's no doubt in mind that. You know, Lane Johnson, how is he going to hold up against Nick Bosa? I have serious doubts about that. I know Lane Johnson looked healthy, but Nick Bosa is a whole other beast. So I'm going to go with 49ers, 20 to 17. And cool stat, Robbie Gold has never missed a kick, field goal, and extra point in the playoffs. And I think Robbie Gold will win it. Let's go. Showing the kickers some love, baby. Who's better than you, bro? We have to give kickers love after uh, a lot of headlines about bad kicking. Yep, yep, yep. All right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Would you say this is the game you're more interested in or was it the first one we broke down? It's the first one, but I have a soft spot for both teams. I look, this is a phenomenal match. Don't get me wrong, but I just think as overall teams, Philly and San Fran are more stacked. But look, Chiefs, Bengals, who's not going to love this? This is going to be just as good. It's just I have a soft spot for the other two teams. Yeah. So let's talk about this one, right? This is the AFC title game. This is a rematch of the AFC title game from last year. Last year, Allen, the point spread was Kansas City minus seven and a half was that close. Obviously, they lost that game outright. This game, the line opens up Kansas City minus three, and it got bet all the way down to Kansas City plus three as an underdog, Kansas City at home. And now the line is anywhere between minus one and a half, Cincinnati minus one, right? The Bengals are three and oh versus the Chiefs and Mahomes in the Burrow era. They were an underdog in all three of those games, two of which were at home for the Bengals. Each game landed within three points, which I found very, very interesting, especially when you're looking at this betting line. 27-24 twice, and then 34-31. It's wild to me. It's wild to me, Alan, that Mahomes is the underdog in this situation. And I can't get that out of my mind. And I am very excited to, as I'm making it rain, at the sportsbook this weekend and that. So you're not concerned about the ankle? I'm not concerned about the ankle. No. Because I think if the ankle was as bad, if the ankle was so bad that he might miss this game, I don't think they put him back out there in the second half. I think if the ankle was going to hold him out of this game, they don't play him. And that was very alarming for me. He's clearly going to play. And I think he's I think he's fine. I think he'll be taped up. He'll maybe they'll throw him a couple of uh, you know, some prescription medication, who knows what they'll do. He'll maybe ask for it, whatever it might be, some cortisone shots. But Mahomes is going to be out there. And they're going to be at home, and it's a triple revenge spot. This is revenge from the regular season, the loss last year too, which let's not also forget, they were dominating that first half. And I still feel like Mahomes was concussed in that game, dude. I'm going to, one day, I, I hope to ask him and be like, yo, bro, were you concussed? Because <laughs> I feel like the way you played in the first and second half was so, so different. Yeah, like his pocket move, I don't know what he was doing. 
in that second half and in the overtime because he was just he had a clean pocket because there was Cincinnati was just rushing through and he was just standing there and standing there and then he was running like 15 yards back and then he fell. It was just it was bizarre looking back. So I think the two big storylines coming into this game is is going to be the Mahomes injury, and then now I think Allen. And tell me how you feel about this. I think the concerns with the offensive line for Cincinnati are going to be more apparent in this game than last week because I think the Chiefs' defensive line has way more playmakers than what Buffalo's. Yeah, it's it's not even a comparison. Like, but Chris Jones to me is the best defensive tackle in the league. Yeah, we'll see how Aaron Donald plays next year, but right now Chris Jones has that thrown and. For whatever reason, I'm not a particular big fan of but playoff Frank Clark is apparently a real big thing. So you know, he's contributing. And I can't say his name. You're Greek, pal. Uh, he's starting to come on. Carl Aftis. Uh, yeah, Carl Aftis. I know, he, I, know, I know he got lit up in coverage, but look, he's an edge rusher. Yeah, he, come on. I, what are we doing? Why are you putting him on? Yeah, like so some, people, some people are going after him. I'm like, the guy's <laughs> 270. He got caught up in a bad matchup. Things happen. Yeah. And we know Spag is going to crank up that pressure. So no, this is... This can be a much more difficult challenge, even though I still am a firm believer that there isn't a quarterback better at handling pressure than Burrow. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting, man, because you're absolutely right. He is the best quarterback at handling pressure. I think he is the guy who can negate any bad offensive line situation he might be in because we've seen it so many times play out that way. The Bengals' offense is sixth in overall offense, ninth in overall defense. And the Chiefs, these are per pro football focus. They're ranked number one overall in offense and fifth in defense. So Kansas City, they have a pretty good defense too, man. And I feel like that the, that's not getting enough attention. And what's up? There's, there's vulnerabilities, though. Like, weren't you a little concerned how easily Jacksonville was running the ball on them? And I do feel like teams have ran on them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and look, the Bengals like to, to run the ball too. Like Mixon is coming off a monster game, and even P. Ryan out the backfield too. He was a big catalyst for their success last week. But I think yeah, that was a huge shock. Yeah, you yeah. know they ran four point three yards before contact. They so they were averaging four yards before even a Bills player tackled like touched them. So I don't think they're gonna be that as dominant. But like the fact that since he got their run game going, it just makes their offense even more dynamic. Yeah, and I'm I'm most fascinated to see what happens with Pat Mahomes' ankle, as I'm sure a lot of people are, but also because so much of his greatness and his success is him scrambling and extending plays and being mobile and the threat of him being mobile. And I think if that's compensated in any, any way, compromise, I should say, excuse me, in any way, that's going to be a major blow to how they want to run their offense. Yeah. And I think this is, you want to talk about like revenge game, but I think when it comes to previous coaches, I don't think any defensive coach or coordinator has done a better job against Mahomes than Lou Anarumo. Your boy. Lou Anarumo has three games on Mahomes. Look, man, he should be our boy, man. He's in New York, <laughs> Staten Island, man. You know, the second, of course, second greatest ever man, or just figure, public figure, we should say. But uh, nevertheless, like, yeah, I just, the way Lou Romo just mixes in those coverages, disguises, and the three-man rushes. And I, I don't think I've ever seen a team get more pressure on a three-man rush in Cincinnati. Like Trey Hendrickson, who I think has a very favorable matchup going against Orlando Brown. I know Orlando Brown's considered a star. He's this 
big three hundred sixty pound from offensive tackle from Baltimore, but he struggles against guys that have an explosive get off, and Hendrickson just wears people down. So I think guys like Hendrickson, BJ Hill, uh, obviously Sam Hubbard as well. Like I think they could cause some damage up front, Cincy as well. And if Mahomes' mobility isn't quite right, things could get a bit dicey. But uh, I, that's why I think is a bit of a storyline, though. Is like, can Mahomes actually have? Like, look, he's always going to be productive, but is he going to be efficient against Lou and Aruma? We haven't seen that over the course of these three games. I'm watching a video right now of Mahomes warming up, and uh, don't Looking see spry. Don't yeah, don't see really a limp. Um, yeah, kind of just like laughing it off. He's with Kelsey. He's with some of the defensive players, and. They're doing high steps and they're doing leg leg raises and you know I, I think he's gonna be fine. I think he's gonna be fine. This bros boy. I do want to mention that if there's something that is to watch that's kind of fascinating is you know, I've talked about like Seattle, uh, Seattle. I talked about the trench battles in San Fran and Philly. I think the running backs that are considered backups this time to watch. So McKinney and P. Rye are to me are like two of the best pass protecting running backs. McKinnon in particular did a tremendous job against Jacksonville picking up blitzes. And I just think in this game, going up against you know, Big Lou Anarumo and Steve Spagnuolo, these running backs better be on point. And Pacheco and Mixon, they're built liabilities. So I think we could see more P.R.I. and McKinnon. McKinnon, we saw like play, play like 41 snaps last week. I wouldn't be surprised to see more, even though Mixon and Pacheco are clearly the superior runners. But be on the lookout for P.R.I. and McKinnon. I think they're going to play key roles in Make sure the superstar quarterbacks have a clean pocket. One thing that definitely needs to change for Kansas City is Travis Kelsey. He hasn't done that well against them, bro. Five catches for 25 yards and a touchdown, and then four catches for 56 yards. Like he has these like pop off eight for 120s and two touchdowns. Like, I think this is going to be a game where you're going to definitely need Kelsey, especially if that ankle is compromised in any way. Uh, I think he's going to need he to have a monster 17 game. targets. Could you imagine? You, he, he got 17 targets, Jacksonville. Like, I think minimum 12 in this one. But the thing is, Luna Romo's defense is known for doing everything possible to contain the number one. But we saw how Diggs was pretty much a non-factor last week. So that's something definitely to keep around because I think Cincinnati knows they want you got to make the other skill position players beat you to beat Kansas City. Yeah, is uh, Eli Apple public enemy number one this weekend? Oh, co- oh come on, man! You, you got to appreciate how great a heel he is. He's like, embraced. I he mean, bro, as, as wrestling yeah. fans, we're loving it. Like, Dude, this is this is he's prime. Great. This is prime 1998 Monday Nitro heel right now that we're seeing by Eli Apple. <laughs> yeah. And we're staying objective here because obviously you have an issue with him because he's a bust on the Giants. I have an issue with him because he would really get on Julio's nerves in those Saints-Falcons games. Like, he'd always be holding Julio and they only give him about half the calls. So, I got a bit of a vendetta against Eli Apple as well. I'm assuming at least 75% of NFL fans have some against Eli Apple. But as we always say, you have to appreciate greatness. And the greatness might not exactly be on the field, but boy, it's great off the field. Yeah, he is... uh... King troll right now on social media, man. And it's been, uh, I, I like a nice troll job. And I like when he gets under people's skin, you know, and he's he's someone that likes to yap. And let's not forget this, this all really started with the Chiefs game last year in the playoffs when he, him mm-hmm. and 
Tyreek Hill were going back and forth. Obviously, Tyreek Hill's not there now, but yeah. I think it's going to be interesting, man, because Kansas City is... Uh, dude, what happens if Kansas City loses again to them? Like, what's the conversation Monday? Let's play a little... Let's play a little foreshadowing. If if we come Monday, you know, we wake up Monday morning, what, what's leading the headlines uh, as far as, you know, Chiefs 0-4? I think they're going to have to really get a receiver, a receiver that teams really have to account for. Like, I like their overall core. Like, I think Sky Moore is going to become a player. Kateris Tony, look, he's fun. Oh. And Juju's a good complimentary piece. But I just, I don't know, like, I don't think teams, I don't think any team has faced more man coverage than Kansas City this year. And I think it's a testament to teams just not respecting their playmakers. You know, these are good complementary pieces, but there's no number one player outside of Kelsey when you look at the receiver position. So I think if they fall short, there's going to be discussion like, okay, they clearly did did not replace Tiger Kill. I know it's very hard to replace Tiger Kill, but I think they could have put more in an effort like, you know, signing Valdez Gantling to be the deep threat and you know, banking on Juju was not the recipe for success if they lose against Cincinnati. I'm also thinking about the conversation around Burrow being even more like 10, 10 times what it was this week where oh, he's the number one quarterback now. He's beating Mahomes. Like Mahomes can't beat him. You know, be own four against one guy. I think there's a... All the signs point to Kansas City for me, man. Uh, I'm not really worried about the ankle. I feel very confident in saying that, too. I've already bet Kansas City to just win this game outright. And I think it's it's triple revenge, man. This team has beaten you three straight times. They're really going to lose to them back-to-back uh, -back years at home. Five straight conference championship games you've been to if you're Kansas City. And all of them have been at home. And you're going to lose this one to the same team that beat you last year? I don't know, man. It's a, it's a weird spot where this is the first time, Allen, that Mahomes is an underdog in his career in the playoffs. But this is also the, this is going to be the fourth meeting with these two teams and like the last calendar year. Not calendar year. That's, that's not possible because this is a new year. But uh, within like the last... It was close because... Because that first one was December or early January. Like, it was end of the last season. Right. So it's been like, what, four times in the last 14 months. So it's... it's right, fun. right. And and to me, it's it's a rare situation where Mahomes is the underdog at home. Uh, it's the triple revenge spot where you're playing the same team as many times as we mentioned. Back-to-back -back years in the AFC title game. And you're at home. And also, this is something where... I can't remember a time where Pat Mahomes was not the public darling from a betting perspective. Like, all the bets are coming in on Cincinnati. The way the line has moved has been all Cincinnati action all the time up until the time that we're recording this podcast. And to me, it's rare air where Mahomes is going to be the underdog and it's going to be what the sports books are going to need to save their asses from this weekend. And I just love this spot, man. And I, you, for me, as a better, I have to play Kansas City with the points at home. Like, it's a must. And I think Kansas City gets the job done, dude. Wow. Well, we got two different picks this week. So this is the week of all weeks. I'm going Cincinnati. I think this, they're firing all cylinders. I'm, I think their defense 
they're not even underappreciated. I think people finally recognize how good this defense is, even though the lack of big names. I just think, man, Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, they're guys that they can they know how to contain. Like they're not going to lose their position. They will make the open field tackle since Kelsey. I thought big issue in that Jacksonville game was just how many times they did not bring Kelsey down. These guys don't miss tackles. I think Kelsey will be contained, and I think Mahomes with those you know slick scrambles. I don't think he's going to have effectiveness there. So I think Kansas City's offense they're going to they're going to struggle more than people realize. And at some point, I think Cincinnati's offense will get going. Jamar Chase once again, the yak. Like you know, you could play cover two, you could play quarters, you could you know play the two shell high and make sure you don't get beat over the top. But this Cincinnati offense realizes like. You know, we could beat teams underneath with our skill position players. And I just think they're in control right now. And I don't think, I think Kansas City is a bit flawed. And I'm, I'm still a bit concerned about Mahomes' ankle. So I'm going Bengals. Wow. So you got Bengals and Niners? Yes. Although I'm far more confident with the Bengals than Niners. And I got Eagles Chiefs. This is dope, bro. This is dope. Because yeah. you know, if I'm right, I'm going to let you know because I'm one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, which is good. Yeah. I wonder, can we get like Doug Pierce? If it's Eagles Chiefs, Doug Pierce has to somehow be there. Dude. Like he has such strong ties. Bro, that was the last thing I wanted to end on, which I'm, there's so many dope storylines across the board of no matter what the four matchups are going to be. And I was talking about this on the Monday show, how this is the tightest Allen from a betting perspective I've ever seen the final four be. Usually you'll have a team right now where it's, you know, maybe maybe minus 120, right? As like the clear favorite. And then you'll have like a two to one, a three to one. And then you'll have that random team that's like, like even the Bengals were nine to one this time last year to win the Super Bowl, right? Like you were still able to get a, a nine to one. Like, so it's, it's the 2020 Titans. Right. It's always there's another one. Remember they made a conference here? Yeah. Like it's always like that. There's always a team that you have that's like a little bit of a favorite where it's like a minus number. And then you'll have like an eight to nine one to one odds there. But with this one, man, plus 260, plus 260, plus 260 are the Bengals, Chiefs, and the Eagles. And then the Niners are plus 300. So these are very, very tight. The point spreads are all under a field goal. So they're expecting these games to be very, very close. And what you mentioned about, you know, Peterson uh, with the Eagles, the thing you mentioned about the Eagles, like, I'm fascinated by all these potential matchups, bro. Because, you know, Eagles, Chiefs, you got the Kelsey brothers. You got, oh, yeah, of course. You got yeah. Andy Reid going up against his old team, right? Like, two teams in which he's taking the Super Bowls. And then you're looking at Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy, like, just, just the fact that it's Kyle Shanahan going back to the Super Bowl. And then you have the rookie first time ever going to the Super Bowl. And then you got Joe Burrow, him making it to the Super Bowl back-to-back years. And is he the chosen one? Is he the next one? And then you got Philly with the, with the wild fan base that they have and all the Philly fanatics and all that craziness and how they built their organization and Jalen Hurts. It, there's so many storylines, man, that whatever the matchup is going to be, yo, Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts were in the same draft class. Like, we forget that, too. Yeah, You know what I mean? So... It's going to be fun, man. Whatever the outcomes are going to be, it's going to be a really compelling two weeks as we head into the Super Bowl. And I'm excited, man, for this weekend. I think this weekend is going to deliver the way last year's divisional round of the playoffs delivered, Allen. 
Yeah, and I just think all four of these teams are very likable. Like it's really hard to criticize any yeah. of these teams. They've they've built fantastic rosters. They have cool coaching staffs. I know some people get annoyed by Seriani, but look, he's doing his thing. But I just think there's so much to like with these four teams and the way they've built the rosters. And I think you look at some of those memorable games this year and the most dominant performances, you have to look at these four teams. So yeah, it's it's a really exciting time to be a football fan. Usually this time of year it is, but something about this these two particular matchups has got me extra amped up. Hey man, I can give you a bunch of reasons uh, why the Eagles are dislikable, but that would probably extend this podcast for 48 days. So uh, we'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. Hey man, this was fun. I appreciated the convo as always. You're the man. Uh, love the insight. Love the breakdowns. Love, love having you on always. And uh, yeah, bro, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, Alan Stark, that's A-L-L-E-N-S-T-R-K. At Nick Day is 10 is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find all things VM. And we will catch you guys next time. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.